and welcome back to the last king of ulster podcast with me your host paul so on this week is my birthday week and what a great way to kick off my birthday week than a good old-fashioned talk about irish unity <laughs> yeah i thought i was going to have a chill birthday week but uh apparently irish politicians in Clareburn thought differently for anyone that hasn't watched uh the Clareburn live episode about irish unity i do recommend you check it out i thought it was fantastic i really enjoyed how they incorporated so many different people with different viewpoints people who would identify as irish republican people who were neutral people who were irish northern irish british the never 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 crowd the brits out crowd fantastic and i've had a lot of misconceptions about several of these people coming in even amongst certain Irish people who would be who I thought would be very anti-unification but my viewpoint changed and I was pleasantly surprised so let's talk about Claire Burns live show shall we a lot of con not so much controversy but it opened up pretty civilly and cordially I was expecting a fire show between Mary Lou McDonald uh, the head of Sinn Féin in the Republic and Leo Radker, the Tanishja, or for people outside of Ireland, that would be like a deputy prime minister, vice president, give or take. I know I've got a lot of American listeners. I appreciate you. Thank you. And that's something I really enjoyed. It was the, the whole theme of the evening was civil discourse. It's a very emotional topic. And I understand that I used to go into this topic like a raging bull. I was just like, this is my viewpoint and you're not allowed to I will not even consider your viewpoint. This is my view against you, and we're going to battle it out. And I've learned in the past couple of months that sometimes that's not the best thing to do with engaging in people in general, not just politics. But anyway, you didn't come here to <laughs> listen to me talk about my personal insights of my self-development and my w waking consciousness, shall we say. Now, they obviously did agree within certain aspects of how to negotiate uh, Irish unification. I think Mary Lou would be happy with a border poll tomorrow, and I would have agreed with her a year ago. Now, because of COVID, I wouldn't. I think we should get COVID out of the way. And that was, that was it. That was literally my viewpoint of one. I agreed with her on that. However, I listened to Leo Radker, and it's not often that I agree with Leo Radker. But... He made a very good valid point. He said, we don't want to go down the route of Brexit. We need to engage more, understand the various communities in the north of Ireland. People who might be unionist, Irish, neither, both. Northern Irish, Ulster Scott. We need to understand them all. And I think that is a fantastic attitude Leo has. And he did try to find common ground with Mary Lou, which I really enjoyed. He, he, like, you, if you've seen any of their debates in the doll, it is fiery. Uh, I remember him saying to Mary Lou something like, It doesn't take long for the balaclava to slip off. Balaclava being like a, a face mask that terrorists or freedom fighters, whatever you want to call them, wear. So that's good. That's progress. That's showing that we're getting our shit together in Ireland. And I'm all for that. Then I think the the real dark horse, uh, somebody that I really enjoyed was um, Andrew Trimble. 
And I've been a big fan of Andrew Trimble for years for different reasons. I'm a, I'm a huge rugby fan, as you all know. Uh, and he came from a, like a really unique perspective. He was, you know, he, he was a Protestant living from the north of Ireland. Didn't know what he, if he was Catholic or Protestant. His parents were like, oh, you know, we'll tell you when you're older. Came from a rugby family. Got to play rugby for Ulster, a traditionally very unionist team. Uh, rugby in Ulster, the northern province, tends to be a lot more unionist. That has changed a lot since then. In fact, I played rugby for a team which is with an Irish name in Ulster, at your Hunnel, which is the old name for the Donegal County, excluding Inishone Peninsula. And he got to see so many different people from backgrounds, and that opened up his mind. And he shared his experience of like how like there's a new generation of people from the north of Ireland that are saying, "I am British and I am Irish," uh, where there's no, it's not that's not a contradiction. That's not how we see things. He also says that I'm also neither. I, I, you know, I, I feel British. I feel Irish. I feel great. And I think those are the people that we need to talk to more. I definitely engage. I used to have this mindset if you called yourself Northern Irish, I was just like, oh, you're just a watered down Brit. Uh, that was wrong of me. And uh, if I offended anybody in the past with that, I'm I'm sorry. That was that was dickish on my behalf. So moving on, then we had uh, Jamie Bryson, a uh, very elaborate character. I've, I've seen him on Twitter a lot. He has made himself look a bit of a fool in the past. He speaks very passionately. Um, those are the people that we're not going to win over. Let's be honest. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Uh, you could make Ireland exactly like the North and unite the Ireland, create a new Ireland where they're accepted, give them all the conditions that they want and they would still turn it down. Uh, I know that's, that's me assuming. You're right, it isn't me assuming. But... That was the same with uh, what you call him, Gregory Campbell. I think his name was the. He was the first uh, unionist. But at the same time, too, there are unionists that are very civil. I engage with quite a lot of them that don't hold that view. They say, "Yeah, we're unionists, but we're not DUP." And I say, it's in the same way that you can be an Irish Republican and not be Sinn Fein. And I kind of go, "That makes sense." So I'll not judge unionists based upon that because unionists, at the end of the day, are just people. With, who want the best for their family and loved ones and themselves and their future. That that's all they want. So I can I can't really hate someone or want to be discourteous towards them for that regard. So but there was one thing within all of this. Like I love the engage and the the want for the dialogue, people repeating the concept of dialogue, but I think there was one thing that was shook me it's it's so important they talk about flags and symbols which are to me not really important but they are to other people so i understand that but how come nobody talk, really talked about the economy and the economy is so important like we can't a lot of people don't care about economics they they view things in the lens of nationalism that that's fair that's fair but we do have to have that conversation as well we have two kind of differing economies. The North tends to be more public sector. And a lot of that's down to them being part of the UK, but not in Great Britain. And a lot of that is the administration of that. So, you know, fair enough. So that would take an emphasis away from the public health care, the public system. They've also have a hint, pardon me. They also have the NHS, which is a publicly funded healthcare system, 
where you don't pay at the cost of entry. It is supplemented and paid for through taxation. So the, the, a clear example of collectivist economic policy. Do, do I agree with the NHS? So, so in some factors, the HSE has outperformed in uh, the performance measures, like things like cardiac arrests, we do better in uh, curing cancer, for example, like bowel and liver cancers, I think, if my memory do serves me. It was from a report in Lancet. Uh, Ireland placed, Ireland's HSE was 17 places higher than the UK's NHS. And I've talked about people about this, uh, yeah, that's what happens when you have a Tory government defunding them. And I look at them and I say, well, hasn't Fianna Fáil Fine Gael not been the same to our healthcare system as well? If we're calling a spade a spade, but I wouldn't mind if a, a new healthcare system. I, I don't mind accommodating our brothers in the north from all backgrounds. And then how we negotiate them re-entering the EU. I think the most important thing, economy to me is the most important, but I think for everybody else, the most important thing is the identity crisis. How do we... You know, if I'm from Ireland and I want a British passport, should I be entitled to one? What would what would the British government say about that? So that's another keystone. I think the Brits would be happy to be like, right, washing our hands of the North personally. There'd be nothing but hassle for us. There'd be a pain in our sides. Let's get rid of them. Yeah, we'll give you a bloody British passport. That, I think that's my attitude. Maybe not so much that of like a UKIP or a Nigel Farage. Or a Brexiteer. I don't think that would uh, be the case with them. But I think a majority of the British public are very moderate. And I don't think they would get too wrapped up within all that. So, as a consequence of the show, where do we move on from there? And I think we should be keeping in theme with this topic. We, I think we need more dialogue. And I don't mean dialogue between states. I don't mean dialogue between politicians from one side of the political spectrum with the other. It needs to begin with us individuals on an everyday to day basis. If you know somebody from a, with a differing view to you regarding Irish unification or Irish separatism, have that conversation. It is difficult, but it will be the most rewarding. Have that conversation in the sense that you want to understand them. And this is very difficult because if you disagree with somebody, it's natural for you to get defensive. I am the exact same. I'm I'm probably the most defensive person you'll ever meet or talk to. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. So if somebody talks to you, listen and be, okay, explain to me why you feel a certain way. And when you understand that when people make a logical quotation mark logical decision in politics it's actually a emotional response that they've logically justified with that they've justified with logic should i say that's where i feel and to be honest i think it's better to engage with people you disagree with because it shows you a better understanding of where you are at and it's opens you to new ideas it shows you the faults within your own ideas. It shows you the faults in other people's languages. It also shows you the strengths of your ideas and the merit of your ideas. And you as a person, the fact that you are open-minded enough to engage in an uncomfortable situation that might cause conflict and drama, that's important. We do 
I, I don't agree what we did with Brexit. Well, not we, meaning I don't agree with people what did with Brexit, whereby if you were pro Brexit, you were an evil, racist, Islamophobic, Asimphobic, or if you were a pro EU, you were a snowflake, cuckold, commie, social insert expletive here. That's that's not going to get us anywhere. So because whenever we do that to people, whenever we start calling the names and the insults and the capricious capriciousness of human nature, people tend to get defensive. It's natural. If I called you an asshole, are you going to say, oh, well, you called me an asshole. Yeah, you're right. No, you're going to call me an asshole. And then I'm going to get even more defensive and I'll call you a bigger asshole. And then we just turn into a cartoon. Those little dust clouds with fists flying out. Dust clouds. Yes, a dust cloud. I had to rethink what it was called there for a second. Yeah, so just be civil. Be nice. Be sound. Don't be a dick is what I'm basically saying. Try to listen. Try to understand. And enjoy. Yeah, so now that, were, that brings me back. So... For any of you listening on whatever platform, let me know what your thoughts upon this issue are. Where do you stand in all this? Are you pro-United Ireland? Are you pro-partition? Are you neutral? You don't care? Do you, do you understand what's going on? Why it happened? Do you think you are involved or adequately knowledgeable upon the topic? It's hard to tell. I don't think I'm that educated. And this was something that I struggled with. I thought I knew a lot about Irish unification. Then I went on to TikTok and... <laughs> there are people there that made me look like an idiot. Not with them even trying to. They, I just watched their videos and like, wow, I really did not know that. I, mis I had a misrepresented view and I'm spreading it out. So this is something I'm going to be changing of myself to. I know myself that I have to change my attitude towards people from the north. Now, I have lived in the north of Ireland. Lived in Derry for a year. And it was a good experience for me because, yes, the majority of people in Derry do call themselves nationalists. They are Irish, but they are different. They have a different experience to that of me as a... I know I'm from Donegal, which is the most northerly county, but as, as a southerner, I have a completely unique difference perspective in Ireland than they do from a different part. They've had different trials and tribulations. Their involvement and their relationship to the state is completely different to mine, and I have to acknowledge that. I thought just because, oh, we're both Irish, we are the exact same no we're not we are not the same and there's nothing wrong with that it's the same way me being from Donegal is different to somebody from Dublin same way somebody from one side of Dublin is completely different to somebody from the opposite side of Dublin that classism for you there 101 I also need to engage more with unionists now I do have a lot of friends that I and family members that I love that are unionists they're good people. I don't see why I should slander them. 
I think it's important for me to listen to them. I'm going to try to start listening more to them, see what their faults and fears, and then show them that I do want to accommodate you. I want you to be part of the best Ireland possible, where you get more representation within an island than you do within the UK. I am being very biased with my opinion, and I acknowledge that. I do have a lot of biases. It's something I'm trying to work past. You hear me? You dig? You dig? Who, who even says that anymore? Bit cringe, but we'll move past that. Messenger, fair play. So yeah, that's just my thoughts on that, on Irish Unification. I'm pro-Irish Unification. Let's have that dialogue. Let's keep pushing for it, and we'll get there. But it will take time. It'll take us listening, but we need to open up the dialogue. Moving on from that amazing topic. Ireland beat England at the rugby in spectacular fashion. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a massive rugby fan. Watching Ireland tear England apart was a work of beauty. It's always good to beat the English at rugby. Although, to be fair, when we get, I don't mind getting beaten by England too much. I just love winning. There's one team in the Six Nations that I don't like losing to, and that's the Welsh. I love the Welsh. The Welsh are fun. But see if you go against them, they will, and you lose, they will rub it right in your face. They will stick your nose in it. They will point and laugh at you. And they expect you to take it. But whenever the shoe's on the other foot, let's say you, you're with a Welsh fan and Ireland thumps Wales with a winning bonus point, four, four or five tries difference. Wales played terrible and you tried the exact same. Oh, no, no, you, you can't do that. That's, that's, that's not fair. Or they play I'm Irish too card. I've met one Welsh man who did that. He's like, oh, I'm Irish too. But whenever when, whenever, whenever Ireland would win, he was Irish. Whenever Wales would win, he was, he was Welsh. Funny guy. Really, really, really cool guy. One of my first rugby coaches now that I think about it. And then France played an absolute blinder in the last couple of minutes. We were very lucky. It was usually Wales at the tournament that got lucky breaks with the referees. France started off the game playing jouer rugby, which is to play rugby, champagne rugby. And there was two tries within the first 10 or 15 minutes. Very, very good game. Then Wales started developing a lead. France get a man sent off. They're down to 14 men. It's been down to 13. And then Wales went down to 13. So at one point, it was last five, six minutes, Wales got very cynical. They started trying to be dirty off the ball, they try to hold up tackle, they try to smother the ball, slow down that French attack, and it was working, but they were getting absolutely zero ground, and then out of nowhere in the last 10 minutes, they score an absolute beauty peach of a try, and win the game. So now the Six Nations ha is happening, final match, postponed match between Scotland versus France. France need to win with a bonus point to win the Six Nations. And I hope they do. I really do hope the Fr French win the Six Nations. I'd love to see a French renaissance. Because if you remember France 10, 11, 12 years ago, they were a very feared team. And then they lost their way for a bit. Because, let's be honest, I know I'm generalizing, but I'm sure my French friends will agree with me. The French don't really have patience for change. They, at one point, 
within Six Nations, they had about 10 or 20, 9 and 10, so scrum half and fly half combinations. And they, they didn't allow a team to gel. They they always would sack their coaches, which is, you need consistency. I would rather have a bad coach than two years and chop and change a terrible coach every couple of six months. That's just my view. I think a coach should be given time to adapt and change. That's just me. So, Six Nations, Friday night, Scotland versus... France. I'm gunning for the French. Only Valle Francais. Me being pretentious with my my French. Pardon me. My French isn't even that good. I speak French like uh I speak, like a slow person, as they say it. So how long are we going on there? Twenty minutes. Wow. I've been talking for twenty minutes consecutively. Didn't even realise. And then we move on to the UFC on Saturday. And now Throughout my entire podcast, I've been talking nothing about UFC. I just, I just That's all I do. I love UFC. I haven't really been that invested in UFC that much anymore, but UFC has been the one thing that has got me through lockdown. I remember this time last year, everything was shut down. There was no football. There was no rugby. There was no American football. There was no baseball. There was no golf. There was no UFC. There was no MMA. Until Dana White pulls it out of the bag. Setting up Justin Gagey versus Tony Ferguson. I remember that setting up that fight very well. Boy, did I have my hopes and dreams crushed that night. If we all remember, Justin Gagey just tears Tony Ferguson to pieces in a methodical fashion. But not for the past. Now we move on to this Saturday where we have Stipe versus Francis Ngannou. I particularly loved how Francis Ngannou, Francis Ngannou came back from his career. So he was one of the hottest prospects in MMA, fought his way to title shot against Stipe. And in that time, he, Stipe beat him, uh, just played a beautiful long-term boxing game. Francis was going for power. Then Francis lost to Derek Lewis in his next fight, first losing streak in his MMA career, and probably one of the most boring fights you'll ever watch, I'm not going to lie, paint drying was more fun than that. Then he goes back, he starts going on a tear, he, I think he knocked out Cain Velasquez, a former UFC champion, and who else did he knock out? Oh yeah, Rosenstrike, the, the big, uh, the big uh, heavyweight guy that knocks people out. And then, now, well, DC and Stipe had to finish off the trilogy, of course, but Francis is waiting in the background. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun, fun uh, fight. I think Stipe personally is going to win. I just think he's a better boxer. He's a better wrestler. People have said, oh, Francis' jiu-jitsu has gotten really good, but, you know, it's good. He's all, It's always going to be very good, but Stipe is like an NCAA wrestler. I think he'll sort out Francis and no sweat. So, and on that bombshell, I think I am going to leave it there. So, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you are having fun, safe wherever you are. And I will be back very, very soon. Thank you. Goodbye.